Today, I'm going to interview Reverend Dr. Colin Jones, and we're going to talk about religion. I'm super excited for this interview. So, uh, Colin, why don't you introduce yourself? Good morning, everyone. Uh, once again, my name is Colin Jones. I am from Columbus, Ohio. I um, have a wife. Next month will be 22 years that I have been married, and I have three awesome children. My oldest son is 27. My daughter, she is 21, and my youngest, he is 16. Um, I currently serve as the pastor of the Advent United Church of Christ Church, which is right here in Columbus, Ohio. My wife and I, we pastor, we pastor the church together as a husband and wife team, and we have been there for a little over five years. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Okay. So my first question is, what do you think is the most rewarding part of being a reverend? It's a phenomenal question. What is the most rewarding part of being a reverend? My primary purpose is service. Uh, service in any capacity. My, my, my desire, I'm driven in my life by purpose and fulfillment. And my desire ultimately is to uh, do what I can to improve the quality of life for somebody else. That is what gives my life meaning. That is what gives my life fulfillment. And I do that through, uh, through service. I do that through, you know, preaching and teaching um, uh, throughout, uh, throughout each week. I do that through, uh, if there is, you know, someone within the congregation who, um, you know, has a particular challenge in their relationships or having challenges on their job or just challenges within their personal life. That is, you know, what I'm, that is what I'm there for. But I also don't limit service and don't limit my understanding of service, uh, to the church. And Jason, it, when I was in seminary, I went to Princeton Theological Seminary, and I learned I, for, for a summer. I served at a um, at a hospital in Trenton, New Jersey, and one of the biggest challenges that I was going to have, I was, I went into the hospital experience serving as a intern chaplain, was what do you say to someone who is sick, suffering, die, su suffering and dying, right? And at the conclusion of that sermon, you know, I received my answer, which is you don't have to say anything. That oftentimes it is a ministry of presence. And as I was sitting uh, at the conclusion uh, in the chapel, I, I learned that ministry is a pie. Uh, service is a pie and the church is a slice of that pie. And prior to my serving at the hospital, the church was everything, uh, but the church was all that I was exposed to. So I, I liken ministry to a pie. The church is a slice. Uh, chaplaincy, whether that's in a hospital or prison, etc., is a slice. Um, that life itself, depending on what part of uh, what what season that you're in, it's all about service and improving the quality of life for somebody else. So. That is the most rewarding part for me, um, as you can, as Michael Jackson says, heal the world, right? To make it a better place for <laughs> yeah. you and for me and the entire human race. There are people dying. If you care enough for the living, make it a better place for you and for me. And so that is that is what my that is what brings me joy, trying to improve the quality of life for somebody else to make this world a better place. Yeah, that's a great answer. 
I think somebody like me who didn't grow up religious, I think I have a preconceived notion of what being a reverend looks like or what being a pastor looks like. And in my mind, it's just preaching. It's just giving the sermon on that Sunday morning. But the impression that I'm getting from your answer is that it's really about service. And service is this very big umbrella term. And that manifests itself in very different ways, in many different ways. And perhaps the sermon is just a tiny slice of that that bigger slice. So what do you think are the biggest challenges then of being a reverend? Identifying need. For me, it is identifying the need and having the ability to to meet that need is 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 is, is a great challenge in a world in which that we are consistently it's it's always changing. Our world's always changing. Um um, so being able to identify what people need and doing what we can to uh, to meet and provide solutions to that need, uh, seeing people in pain, uh, seeing people who are who are hurting and who are broken and wanting to be a support to that individual. And, and some people, um, because of, you know, uh, history with. Uh, with the church uh, in a, in a negative way, they may not be open, you know, to that particular to to us trying to provide that need. Uh, so one of the biggest challenges is is wanting to provide uh, solutions to the pain and the hurts that is going on in the people's lives, and then not having the ability to. I think another challenge for me is connected to service, being able to communicate vision in a clear way. And getting people to to buy into that vision, um, for you know, for for example, you know, we want to grow our congregation, and in in a context where people are not as religious as before, and uh, we're in Ohio versus versus some parts of the South, right? So your 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 larger congregations oftentimes, while you do have large congregations. Uh, in uh, in the Midwest, uh, in the um, on the East Coast, but more of your your consistent larger congregations, five thousand plus, et cetera, uh, are more situated in uh, more situation in the South, Florida, Georgia, Texas, uh, et cetera. There's some you know in California things like that, but the majority I think are located in the South, and so we are seeking to you know grow our congregation. Um, and so we're going to be, you know, launching, you know, our Come Grow With Us campaign. And I want to do what I can to communicate that vision and desiring for people to jump aboard and get a hold of that vision and being willing to um, to run with it and do everything that we can to bring it to pass. It's a particular challenge. It's a particular challenge. Yeah. So something that you said uh, it relates to another question that I want to ask you, which is the religiosity of America. Because I think I've seen some statistics showing that more and more people are becoming secular. And I, I can imagine that that would be difficult for a reverend if just fewer and fewer people attend your church, right? Yeah. And then it's like, how do you spread your message if people are not, you know, in this case, Christian, right? Yeah. So, it, I mean, is it the case that, like, it, from your experience, is that the case? Have you witnessed that? Uh, do you see that congregations are tend to be fewer and fewer and older and older? Absolutely. Yes. Hmm. Fewer and fewer, older and older. Uh, America, in a sense, overall, I feel like is going the way of Europe, right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, not as 
um, not as religious. And so that affects definitely, if I can use this terminology without being offensive, that affects my bottom line, right? Yes. Uh, and not being able to, uh, not being able to grow um, our congregations. But when it's all said and done, Jason, why am I in this game in the first place? Am I in the game is my is my primary motivation uh, to have a big church? No. Is it nice? Yes. Right. To 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 work full time in a context that supports me and my family, as opposed to working full time in another uh, place and then serving the church. But when it's all said and done, I have to zero back down to what my purpose is. And my overall purpose, how I receive fulfillment and meaning in my life is service. And service can take the form of many different things. Mm -hmm. And depending on what season that I'm in in my life, um, I can serve in this particular way, serving the church, or I can serve in this particular way, serving in somewhere else. Uh -huh. So there are times when I do do that too, I do get discouraged. But the moments in which that I do get discouraged, I have to think I have to come back to my center, come back to my why. Why do I do what I do? And what is my overall purpose here? My overall purpose is to serve. And that can look different in different seasons in my life. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So, I mean, even if it were the case that people just everyone became secular, you wouldn't be able to serve as a pastor. But you can still serve others by, you know, working at a soup kitchen, right? Or, you know, running a fundraiser or something like that. So do you think that it is a good thing or bad thing that America is becoming more and more secular? I guess as a way of asking whether or not you think religion is overall a, a positive force or negative force or a neutral force. I believe that religion <clears throat> overall is a positive thing. I stress at our church that we don't come here primarily out of ritual. This is something that we just do day in and day out, week after week. <clears throat> we don't come primarily out of ritual. We come out of relationship. That we are taught and we teach and we promote relationship with God. Religion, I believe, overall is positive. However, we have to acknowledge that religion, which is a set of institutionalized structures and belief systems, has been abused and exploited and has caused harm. Okay, so uh, another question that I have is, well, first of all, I, I thought... Uh... I thought it'd be interesting if you said that religion was overall a negative influence. <laughs> Seeing how you're a reverend, oh. that would have been that would have been an interesting discussion. <laughs> that would have been a very interesting discussion. Religion sucks, folks. It's terrible. <laughs> Let me... <laughs> In fact, that's my next sermon. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so do you think like I, I know that there were many differences between liberal churches and conservative churches and there seemed to be just a lot of uh, disagreements over something, you know, like gay marriage, right? Or just the institution of marriage, how marriage is defined and, you know, and stuff like that. But do you think that both liberal and conservative Christians can agree upon the importance of having um, a, like a stable household? Like maybe 
uh, maybe both of them would be in favor of and both of them would promote a some sort of stable union, having at least two parents. Yes, I think that, and this is what we always do. The extremes of any party have the predominant voice in society. What I mean is the narrative presents as we are against one another. I'm against you because you're liberal. I'm against you because you're conservative. I'm against you because you're Republican. I'm against you because you're Democrat. That is the larger, that is the narrative that we that we play into when foundationally speaking, we all generally want the same thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm against you because you're white. I'm against you because you're black. But foundationally speaking, we all want the same thing. We want to live a life in peace. We want to live a life in harmony, live a life in harmony. We all want a, a, a family. We all want a, a good foundation to stand upon. We all want to be able to provide for our families, provide for ourselves. We all desire a quality of life. And those are the principles and those are the values that does not get the, it's not sexy. It's not sensationalized. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that are not promoted that we we agree far more on principles then we will ever disagree. If you see or if you meet other Christians who are conservatives or, you know, just like who who maybe come from a different political background, is your like maybe the the attitude that you have is that you are all my brothers. Yes. You are all my brothers. And uh because you're Christians, we share so many core values. Yes. Right. And that brings us closer together than it does uh, you know, keep us apart. Yes. Do yes. you also feel the same way when it comes to people of other religions? Absolutely. So I I affirm other religious traditions as legitimate as my own, just as legitimate as my own. And that is not a perspective that you may see in other clergy persons, right? Uh, they may feel that because, hey, I'm a pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian, everybody else is going to hell, right? And I'm the only one right. And I... I, I'm very weary of any religious tradition that makes the claim that they have the truth. I, I'm very wary of someone who claims to have the uh, the, the only only truth. And um, and my my journey of exploration began at Morehouse College. I took a class on the life and thought of Martin Luther King and Gandhi. And for the first half of the semester, we we studied Gandhi. And when he was assassinated, I struggled for the first time of where this man would spend eternity. And depending on which religious glasses that I chose to look through, if I look through the lens of Christianity, he's going to hell. But I struggled because I could not reconcile everything that this man did on behalf of his people and in regards to God, the Hindi, uh, Gandhi was a devout Hindu. This man who said, I love Jesus. It's just those Christians I can't stand. Yeah, what a great quote. <laughs> That's a great <laughs> right, quote. Right, 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 right. This man who goes into a Christian church and he is rejected and turned and told him, you don't belong here, right? 
So, and I wasn't looking for a cookie cutter answer, you know, either, but that is what, that is the genesis of what began my openness in my religious exploration, because I had just been exposed to Christianity. That's the context in which that I grew up in, et cetera. Then going on to seminary, I was invited to observe a religious prayer service with, uh, with Islam. And I felt the presence of the divine just as strongly as I ever would in any Christian church. And I'm like, hmm, this is interesting to me, mm -hmm. right? Religion hoists itself up as I have the truth and my way is the only way and everybody else is wrong. Mm -hmm. and, and, and because everybody else is wrong, then we're constantly and we'll, we will forever be in conflict with one another. I, mean, I was watching this. One guy yesterday on TikTok, very, very conservative Baptist preacher. And um, if 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 you didn't believe in the Trinity, because um, they preach, you know, the, the Trinity, if you don't believe in the Trinity, then you have to get out of his church. Mm -hmm. Leave right now. If you don't believe, and as he was going on, I was just like, hmm. So really what you are promoting, if you don't believe what I believe, then you have to get out. Mm -hmm. You have to get out of this church. Um, and I think that there are people within any context, but I think within people within his church in particular, uh, they may have disagreement with some of the things that he says, but he has no problem with berating you publicly. Hmm. And, uh, I think that oftentimes people, if they do disagree, they wouldn't say it publicly because they don't want to be berated publicly, yeah. things like that. So, but it was just very interesting, his perspective on, it, it didn't have to be the Trinity. It could have been a little on anything else because of the way in which that he is and how he presents himself and how he believes that he has the truth. Uh, yeah. If you don't believe what I believe, then you must, I will kick you out of this church and have you physically removed. Mm -hmm. So he, he didn't mean that as an empty threat. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. It, it, uh, it was he, 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 there was a physical demonstration of that with someone. Oh, wow try to um, present a different perspective. And um, and he had uh, he had people, he had his people place hands on him and, and he kicked him out. They threw him out. Wow. Yeah. So that, that sounds like a church that would have kicked out Gandhi. Absolutely, without question. Yeah. yeah. And it just, it's just from a practical perspective, that just doesn't seem wise. If you want to grow your community, if you really want to spread the word, right? It, it just seems to be counter to your goals if you're so confrontational and so aggressive you know it's like that's that doesn't seem like a welcoming place you know like what if someone is exploring christianity right they're just they're open to christianity they can become christian as long you know if they were to have some sort of positive experience and they end up going to your church one day and you know, this guy is telling you to get out there are some people who are attracted to that there are some people who are attracted to that strongman approach Hmm. Uh, there are some people who are attracted to that conservative and yeah, yeah, my way is the way. And so you you gravitate towards um, because because there are some people who who need that those clearly defined lines, that clear structure that even if it's dominant and abusive, 
and exploitative. There are some people who are attracted to that because they believe in that themselves. And it's evident in other areas of their uh, of their life outside of the church. I am the man. Where is my big piece of chicken, right? Mm. I'm the man and uh, 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 I have the final say in this family and to be questioned, uh, I am not to be questioned, etc. And yeah. it's almost that- like a like a the status of a prophet. Yes. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, yeah. And and you're hoisted up as the pastor, as the prophet, uh, the religious leader, and what you say goes and is not to be questioned, etc. I mean, why do you think in, in uh, Donald Trump? rose to the top right because he had this strong man's personality right mm-hmm. you had you had these other figures that was in the political party running for president you had chris christie first right he was that strong man that 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 domineering personality uh that that bulldog if you will and then donald trump got in which was the more alpha than 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 chris christie and and Chris Christie couldn't he he, he couldn't stay in the uh, 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 in the race because you can't have two huge quote unquote domineering strongman personalities and everyone else subsided. This is why Donald Trump, for example, demanded loyalty. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, um, uh, you see the same A type personalities. Um, and, and if he was in another context, if he was in, he could easily have been, I'm going to an extreme here, he could have easily been the same type of personality as someone in North Korea or someone in other parts of Africa or somewhere in Middle East, et cetera. So mm-hmm. have these, or even Boris Johnson, right, in, in Europe. So you have these real strong, domineering personality yeah. types in other areas and people usually fold to yeah. uh, fold to them and so likewise in churches you have this real strong man personalities and people gravitate towards towards yeah. the, uh, the strong strong leader through force uh, if you will because mm-hmm. people would prefer not there are many people who would prefer dictators uh, being told what to do rather than being empowered to think for yourself. Yeah, yeah, that's well said. So my role as leader, and this has caused a little bit of conflict, but I'm okay with that. My role as leader is not to dictate to you, but to empower you with the tools to think for yourself. Yeah, that sounds like a teacher's role, yes. you know, that, and that's what I do when I teach. Yes. Right, like I'm not going to dictate to you. I'm not, I'm the one of the last people who would ever indoctrinate you. Yeah, yeah. 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 So uh, I, I feel like given what you've said, I think Donald Trump would be a very successful church leader, yeah. right? He could probably make a lot of money. Yes, 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 he could. So, so do you think that, okay, so being this str- uh, strong man who's, you know, very dominant, you're saying a lot of people like it. So perhaps this pastor actually grows his church. Yes. And Through do that. that way. Through that yeah. way. I don't know much about mega churches. I just kind of hear about them and see little clips of them in passing. Would you say that the majority of the leaders of these mega churches are of that type? Yes. Mm. Yes. I used to be a part of um, um, a couple of mega churches. And when I was primarily living in Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia has, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of mega churches, and the, let let me also say that the domineering types are are, are very nuanced. Uh, uh, it, it may be just some may just be really just out there, you know what I mean, and 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 wear it on full display. Others 
uh, others uh, um, uh, not 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 so much. But the ones that I was a part of very much had this um, uh, the clearly defined lines and the the domineering larger than life personality. A lot of these mega churches have these they're more personality driven uh, as opposed to um, uh, the church itself as opposed to like Christ driven. So here's an example. Oftentimes when, when, uh, and because the mega church is, is, is still a fairly new, 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 new concept, right? Um, what happens when the personality dies? Mm. What happens when the personality decides to go to another church? Oftentimes those churches, um, decrease in size dramatically, because people were largely following that particular person. Yeah, so it wasn't or necessarily the ideology. Correct. It was like they're following them, like they're subscribing to that they particular person, and then they'll un unsubscribe if that person doesn't do that thing anymore. Yeah, one of the one of the churches in in uh, in Georgia, um, uh, their person, their 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 pastor, um, he had a very larger than life personality. I enjoyed my experience while I was at this church, and I enjoyed my experience with this particular pastor for the limited time that I was there. But he had a larger than life personality very, very strong man, but not in a abusive, negative kind of way um, that I experienced, but very manly, right? So he he attracted a lot of men to his church because um, he was very, very manly, if you will. And um, uh, he ended up passing away and they were struggling for a particular season uh, trying to find another pastor. And oftentimes what ends up happening is you need to find another person who has as magnanimous of a personality yeah. as the previous one in order to kind of bring back and bring your church back to a place. And this particular pastor that they, that they, you know, eventually, you know, got had that kind of personality was very, very, uh, very well known, uh, throughout the entire country. Uh, so you're just like, Hmm. So yeah, your larger personalities have this, your larger churches have this really, whether domineering or that the strong man or larger than life personality, that is what that is what tracks and, and mm -hmm. brings uh, uh, individuals to these particular places. And when you have that kind of personality, the celebrities, right? The, the it's it, it, it magnified. There's this there's this uh, documentary that my wife and I began watching on Hillsong Church, and uh, and just talking about the larger than life personalities that are attracting you know thousands upon thousands of people. Uh, and the way the sanctuary or the, the way the building is set up people are just surrounding all centered in on this one one individual and the spotlight is upon him or her and oh it's magic yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm not sure if i told you this before but one of my friends years ago took me to a mega church and i didn't know that it was a mega church before going there so it's like kind of like out in the suburbs and st louis and you know as we're driving up to the place i'm like man this place is huge this place is huge you know <laughs> And I, and I walk in and I'm like, oh my God, there is a gift shop. There's a coffee shop. There's, you know, they have daycare and stuff. And then when you go into the, I don't even know what you call it, like the, the room, the main room. Sanctuary, yeah. A sanctuary. You have all these, it was huge, huge. They had these like 
big video cameras on cranes. They had ginormous like TVs. You know, they had, I think it was for an Easter celebration. So I'm pretty sure they went like all out. You know, they had like, you know, smoke machines, music, everything, everything, right? And there was a person who was pretending to be Jesus, you know, and he's getting like, he's he's not on stage. He's like coming in for the back entrance and he's walking down the aisle. And as he's doing it, he's getting like whipped by people dressed like Romans, right? It was like a whole spectacle, whole yeah. spectacle. And I'm just yeah. like, I cannot believe what I am watching right now. This yeah. is a show in Vegas. That's yeah, what it yeah. seemed like, okay? Yeah. And they even played a trailer for like their upcoming sermons. They, this guy made a trailer, yeah. hired professional video editors to make this look like a like a trailer, okay? And then I went to a Catholic service, okay? It was so boring. It was the exact opposite of what that mega church gave you. Yes. You know? And yeah. so I can kind of see the appeal yes. of it, you know, and part of it is just that the leader being a charismatic speaker, a really good orator, right? But there's also this like really high production value, like like you are entering a show in Vegas. We like the show, right? We like the spectacle. It it it, it attracts, it pulls in people. And to a degree, I don't have a problem with that. What I have a problem with is when that is it, right? Mm. It is it is cotton candy religion. Mm-hmm. It is, it tastes good, but as soon as you consume it, it quickly dissolves, oh, right? Interesting. It produces no substance, right? And so, and so, so the challenge is I can provide you with the show, but am I providing you with substance? Am I equipping you with the tools that you need to live out to become the best version of yourself, right? Yeah. I I pastor a smaller congregation of less than 100 people, right? And I wish that I had the kinds of resources uh, to be able to do that video editing and, and, and to have, you know, I, I have a relative stage. I, mean, I have televisions in the back, right? And, and when I need to, I need to have the videos and things like that, because what is entertainment? We oftentimes, uh, we oftentimes limit entertainment, uh, especially in the church context, uh, in a negative way. And entertainment, or to entertain, uh, just simply means to hold the attention of the other, yes. right? And so um, uh, w- when I preach, you know, it is my desire to, uh, to entertain, uh, to educate, and to empower. Those are my three principles on which that I've, you know, that I stand upon. When I'm preparing a sermon and I preach generally for a half an hour, all right? And if people are going to sit there and listen to me, then they deserve my best, right? Yeah. They deserve the best that I have to offer. I want to entertain you. I'm not just going to get there and speak in a monotone kind of way. I am going to be more animated. Entertainment, just to be able to hold your attention, right? I want to educate you. I want to provide proper context to uh, uh, um, uh, to what it is that I'm preaching from. I want you to walk away with an understanding of that particular text that I'm preaching from. And I want to empower you. I want to equip you with the tools so that you can live a certain quality of life. Life, right. So when we so when we see the show, is it just the show that you're getting, or are you empowered to become the best version?
version of yourself, which ultimately is to become a better disciple. Just because it is a larger church that can meet that particular need, it does not mean that that church has more significance than the smaller congregation or can yeah. offer more empowerment than the smaller congregation. We place higher value upon that which is larger, but just because it's bigger doesn't make it better. Let's yeah. take the nickel versus the dime, right? The nickel is larger than the dime, but the dime has more value. What I attempt to do is how can I create value and meaning for people? And that might mean, Jason, that might mean that I don't get the huge church on the hill. Yeah. <laughs> that might mean that I don't X, Y, and Z. I want it. I like it, right? Yes. I'm attracted to that too. I was a part of these huge churches. I get it. I genuinely do. But what is my motivation? Why am I in this thing in the, in the first place? Yeah, you're not in it for the money. I'm not in it for the money. Yeah, if you're in it for the money, you made an unwise decision. That's right. That's right. And the overwhelming <laughs> majority of churches, and we, we the, the predominant narrative is these churches got all this money, 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 money. Um, but the overwhelming majority of churches, the overwhelming the majority of the churches are not mega. Yeah. They're, they're, they're small. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, so do you think that there is some correlation between mega churches and the prosperity gospel? Like, Absolutely. do they, uh, do you think that the reason why, well, part of the reason why they're so rich is because they preach the prosperity gospel? Yes. I do want to say that not every church, not every mega church preaches a prosperity gospel message. All right. Prosperity, uh, uh, um, um, I, I think has been exploited and abused. You know, scripture teaches us, uh, that, 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 that John says in his epistle of the epistle of John, in his letter, he says that I pray that above all things that you will prosper, even as your soul prospers. What we have done in terms of exploitation is that we have limited prospering to financial, to economic term, in economic terms. But I want to prosper in my entire life. I want to prosper in my family. I want to prosper in my in my um, in my health. I want to prosper in my relationships with people. I want to prosper on my job. It is inclusive of my finances, but it is not limited to my finances. And the struggle, the the other struggle that I have uh, with the message of prosperity, hot dog. Here's the primary struggle that I have with the message of prosperity: is who does it benefit the most, right? The pastor. <laughs> no, yes, sir. It's yes, like, sir. who does it benefit the most? Yes, me. me. Right, 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 right. Me. In addition to, you know, theologically speaking, and 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 and, and does God and, and and is God about this prosperity and is Jesus rich and all that kind of you know nonsense, right? But the the primary person who just on a humanity level. The primary person in who benefits from the prosperity message is the preacher, not the people. And that's what I have a problem with. And if you can get people to buy into the idea, the concept, the principle that God wants you rich, that, uh, that message is going to be significantly appealing to those who don't have financial resources, right? Mm -hmm. And so the preacher is the one who, who who preaches this financial message. The preacher is the one who 
who who um has the beautiful suits and the and the multi-million dollar home and the and the cars. I was watching this one preacher who shall remain nameless, uh uh, but he said something utterly ridiculous, Jason. He said something utterly ridiculous. He was being interviewed about the about his jets and things like that. He said, he said, well, well. Tyler Perry made my made the jet so cheap I had to buy it. Like 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 that. He said he made it so cheap I had to buy it. Like dude, what? like do you That's see so you, weird? You, you, <laughs> I had to buy it because it was or what it was like. It was on sale. It was yes. It, it was solely on sale. So 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 the pri- the, the, the 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 preachers are the ones that are the primary beneficiary of and not the people. The other struggle that I have with it, with, with it is, it is more individual centered and not community centered, right? It is, it is, it is the individual and the price and the preacher. And I say this as a preacher myself, right? I'm not, I'm not removing myself out of the context of clergy. The preacher doesn't have to promise you that it's going to happen, right? Uh, he doesn't have to guarantee you. Yeah. And if and and he and he puts it or she puts it on you that if it doesn't happen for you, then you must have done something wrong. Mm. It's if it's not working, I don't it's not because of me, it's because you didn't do something, you didn't do something right. And so um, I, I struggle with the prosperity message. Of course, I want I want prosperity in my life. I want to prosper economically. I want to prosper in my family. I want to prosper in my health. I want to prosper in every area of my life. And I want the community to prosper in every area of their life as well. Um, it is wrong, in my opinion, to limit prosperity to to finances. Um, and when I look at the landscape of those preachers and those churches, those mega churches that oftentimes promote the prosperity message, when you when you, let's take a let's take a magnifying glass as and to see and question who is the one that primarily benefits from the message? It's not the people. Mm-hmm. And the people will continue to give and give and give and give and give. Waiting for God to 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 drop down millions and millions of dollars. That's not that's not reality, right? Mm-hmm. If, in this world system, if you're not in, let's just take America. If you are not an athlete, if you are blessed with an with a, a, um uh, with phenomenal athletic skill, then the likelihood of you making millions of dollars, Isaiah Thomas, the who, who played for the Detroit Pistons, he said what? He said to make it into the pros is like walking through a jungle without being bitten by a mosquito. Like the likelihood mm-hmm. of that happening is very slim to none. Only a very small percentage of people are making those kinds of millions of dollars. If you are not that, uh, 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 an athlete, if you... Um, uh, don't have some grand business ideas such as a Jeff Bezos, et cetera, with Amazon. And we're not even talking about the amount of money that his parents poured into him, you know, to get his business up and running, right? If you don't, if you don't have this huge grand idea as an entrepreneur to make millions of dollars, et cetera, like uh, in this world system, the likelihood of God just quote unquote sending you a check for a million yeah. dollars, it's, it's not gonna happen, right? Yeah. But 
the prosperity preacher doesn't tell you that. They just tell yeah. you that if you give, if you sow, then you're going to reap. That God wants you blessed. That God wants you prosperous. God wants you rich. But if you don't have no degree, right? If you don't, if you don't have some astronomical, if you don't have some phenomenal gift, people are just sitting there waiting for God to just drop down money into your bank account. And I was a part of a church specifically. I was a part of a couple churches in a, uh, in Georgia. Um, one had that domineering personality, was not necessarily a prosperity preacher. One was emphatically, without question, in your face, prosperity. Money cometh to me now, right? It was in your face. Talk about money, 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 money. Oh uh, my God, money, uh, 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 money cometh to me. Oh, that, yes. that would be a hilarious like email address. Oh, bruh, 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 bruh. We were told, <laughs> we were told, the preacher told us to stand up and shout money cometh to me <laughs> now we were all i was a oh college. my god are you serious i, I am absolutely oh serious. my god we are standing up in agreement with the preacher money cometh to me and everyone's now. doing the same it's like a weird money cult you know yes. like it's not, it, like it, i can imagine that taking place at some sort of like finance conference like a bunch of bankers doing that yes 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 and they would have the bankers would have um ways in which to bring that to pass yeah. right yeah. um but within the church people don't have those kinds of resources to bring that to pass man yeah, no. so on so, so so what you do then and this would be better for me if you're going to preach if you're going to preach a prosperity gospel this will this will this is what will be better for me you need to also have during the week you need to set up classes on improving your credit score <laughs> That's right. That's right, right. Right. You need to set up classes on getting your credit score from a 420, right, to yeah. a 780, as an example. Yeah. Right. You got to teach people how to be better stewards of the financial resources that you receive. Right. Yeah. If you can't, uh, there was a couple of years ago, uh, many years ago, my son, uh, I wanted an iWatch. Okay. I wanted an iWatch and, uh, and, my, and I had the money in the bank for it. My, my son was like, my oldest son was like, why don't you just buy the iWatch? I said, yes, I got the money in the bank, but I can't afford it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I got the money for it, but I can't afford it, yes. right? Because I have other responsibilities yes. that need to take place, right? That's a pleasurable type of thing. I yeah. love riding motorcycles. Right. I love riding motorcycles. I have a motorcycle in my garage right now. I want to upgrade my motorcycle. All right. I want a more powerful motorcycle, but I can't afford it. Yeah. Right. I Makes perfect sense. I, I got the I got the fight. I can go get a loan. Right. To upgrade it. But that would not be a very wise financial decision to do that. Right. Because motorcycle is a pleasurable thing. Right. So if you're going to teach prosperity, then a more substantive way. Do you want the show or do you want the substance? Right. Yeah. A more substantive way is are you mandating or are you pushing people in the direction of being responsible over the finances that they have? so that they can be more informed, create uh, uh, budgets. Like like those types of things would make more sense for me and I would be more at peace because that benefits the whole, right? Yes. It benefits everybody, not just one particular. Yeah, that, that's like a really good idea, right? So you can, in a sense, like when you donate money to the church, right? 
you automatically have access to these financial services, right? So it's, it's part of like contributing. It's part of the, you know, the, the fee or, or, or something yes. like that, right? So in one sense, the church can also benefit financially, but then you're offering this real tangible service to its community about how they can manage their finances. Yes, 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 sir. And yes. you can even expand that, right? Because, you know, maybe you can offer counseling, not just yes. financial, but like emotional counseling, like therapy, right? Yes. And it's also included in in the fee. That's right. Yes, yes, absolutely. And you're saying that mega churches don't do that? I am saying that, no, I'm not saying that megachurches don't do that. Um, it has been a significant amount of time since I've been a part of a megachurch. Mm -hmm. The two that I was a part of during the season that I was there mm -hmm. did not. I see. So they could have changed and, and other ones may offer these absolutely. services. Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Because now we're growing to a place where um, we're evolving where that is a legitimate need. All right. I wish, though, in the in the because the media or not, not forget the media, the we are the promoters of our own product. And because we have the power to control the narrative. What I do not see in the landscape of the prosperity preachers, what I do not see with the flyers, with the social media they're not also promoting that financial literacy. Mm -hmm. They promote the message of prosperity and God wants you money cometh to yes. be now, right? Uh, now that, let, let's, let us, and, and I would say, hey, God wants you to be financially blessed. Absolutely, I believe that. Now, because I know that God wants you to have financial resources why? So that you can provide for yourself, right? Money provides you with the opportunity to choose where you want to live, right? The kind of quality of lifestyle that you want to have. It provides you with the opportunity to uh, to live in certain school districts, right? So, so, so there's nothing wrong with money at all. Because I want you to be financially successful, let and you're not right now, let us help you, let us prepare you, let us equip you with the tools necessary so that when you receive more finances, you'll have more, you'll have a more informed perspective on what to do with the financial resources that you have. So it's a both and approach. And so just as I'm going to highlight the sexiness of prosperity message, God wants you to have money, um, but you got to do the work. And people are, they don't want to do, they, they don't want to hear the yeah, work part of yeah. it, right? They want, the, they want the end results. That's right, that's right. right. <laughs> but they don't want to do the work that gets you there. And uh, and sometimes getting you there pulls you in, right? But yes. watch in, now let me give you this thing. Like like uh, Planet Fitness, for example, right? I don't know if they still do it because I have, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't watch TV, but in there, when I was a member of Planet Fitness, they used to have pizza <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, at the gym on day, and on one day they'll have bagels. I'm like, how in the world are they doing? They had pizza. What 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 was the gimmick? The gimmick was to get you in the door, right? Yeah, get you in the door, and when you're in the door, then hopefully you're gonna you know work out, etc. Even though I may feel it's antithetical to what you're trying. That's to right. Do, that's right. But it's a nugget to get you in the door, and so if the prosperity message is to get you in the door so that I can then teach you about financial principles and becoming financially literate. 
then okay. But let's promote both, man. Let's just not yeah. sit extreme. And I think that's I think that's what takes place oftentimes. Yeah, no, that that makes a lot of sense. Uh I can understand that, you know, maybe from like an average person's perspective. Yeah, they don't want to learn about how to be financially wise. It's easier for them just to give money to somebody. And then have them say, you know, God wants you to be rich. If you if you give me money, you know, God will make you rich somehow too. Because then it's like it's like a lazy way to you can be lazy while getting rich, right? Which is really not reality. That's right. Right. That's you right. really have to learn stuff. You have to work hard. You have to have self discipline. Yes. Stuff like that. Yes. Those things. Even when I was a part of a financial uh, a prosperity church, financial discipline, learning this and. Dude, that 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 was not a part of the message. Mm -hmm. uh, it, in a sense, it seems disingenuous. Like, do you think that these mega, well, these people who preach the prosperity gospel, do you think that they're lying? Like, do you think that they honestly believe what they're saying, or do you think that they actually don't believe what they're saying? I think the majority of them um, believe what they're saying. Hmm. Okay, so that means um, to me that, that that would mean that they're not lying. Correct. They're just wrong. They're just. I I I I want to believe in the general goodness of people, right? Yes. yes. Some may not question um, what it is that they're doing, and unfortunately speaking, especially for these mega churches, the system is the system. You're not able to get to these big preachers. Uh, you're not able to have access to them. Uh, so you'll, you'll, you have to go through a whole bunch of hoops to just to even have a conversation yeah. with them. And the majority of the time is you're not even able to have a conversation with them, but, and it's the other struggle that I have, they, 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 they can, they can, they don't have time for the people that they serve, but they do have time to be interviewed on CNN. Like, I don't understand that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like how do you have time to be interviewed by this such and such magazine, but uh, uh, documentaries can be on you, but you don't have time to meet with your people. I, I, I struggle with that as well. But it's not that I think that people that that, that clergy persons are are, are are lying per se. I think that they may want um, uh, the people to generally, you know, prosper. Um, but I think that some have lost their way. And they're not able to sit down and 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 you know kind of critically think through in a larger community context. Um, so it's 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 a struggle. I don't want to I don't want to come out and say that they're that they're just outright lying, right? That there's yeah. some are right. We we talk about scripture teaches us there that there are sheep in wolves' clothes. There there are wolves in sheep's clothing, right? Yes. To, to intentionally deceive and mislead the people, absolutely. Um, there, 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 there are those, but I think that the, for the majority of those who promote, you know, the prosperity message, they, they do, they genuinely believe that God does want them to, to, to prosper and perhaps how they grew up and perhaps the, the, the churches in which they grew up primarily presented one particular way. And so they're just kind of naturally gravitating and yeah. going into that one particular way as well. Yeah. yeah. So I don't, I guess this might be my, my last um, point. I don't understand how this idea of God wants you to be rich is consistent with trying to be like Jesus. Because wasn't Jesus poor or something? So those who promote the prosperity message are going to teach you messages that Jesus was not poor, uh, that Jesus had financial resources. So because because you're right, in order to make sense out of the idea that God wants you rich, 
you have to you you have to uh, separate from that traditional understanding of of Jesus, and so you may point to examples where Jesus talks about finances, and Jesus himself was not uh, was not a poor was not a poor man, and that is what you that is what you promote. Also, what you do is you limit the role of Jesus himself, the character of Jesus himself, and you make a much more broader, larger argument. Uh, in, and, and you you highlight individuals who had a lot of financial resources uh, throughout scripture. So you'll talk about an Abraham, you'll, you'll, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll talk about, cause he had so much, uh, uh, resources, not necessarily in terms of currency, but he uh, amassed uh, servants and amassed a great deal of animals and things like that. That was their, you know, that was their currency. You'll talk about a Job who had who had houses for his kids and yet all these kids. You'll talk about Solomon and, and how he asked God for wisdom and God gave him not only wisdom, but God gave him a lot of financial resources. So you will broaden the conversation mm-hmm. of and uh, using individuals who had, who had a degree of prosperity and you'll make that applicable to the whole because you don't have much evidence by limiting your argument to Jesus in terms of him being prosperous. Yeah. But what you do is you make a larger argument about what God wants. Like, like, like I said, scripture teaches us in, in, in John's, when we talk, started talking about prosperity, you know, he says that I pray that your soul, I pray that you prosper above all things even as your soul prospers. So we may take that particular word and limit it to one particular area as opposed to all encompassing. Yes, sir. Yeah. So what do they do with that passage that talks about like the eye of a needle thing? Yeah, the eye of a needle in terms of the camel getting down to the eye of the needle. And what they what they may not share is this aspect of in order for a camel to even get, go through the eye of a needle, he has to take off everything, right? The, the, the person, the rider of the camel has to take off the um the harness that 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 is on the camel and the camel has to uh get down on the ground and actually kind of crawl through that particular uh needle so to speak um the idea of riches god it oftentimes uh particularly throughout the gospel god oftentimes or jesus is uh, views those who are rich in a very negative uh, kind of way, uh, primarily because of how the rich treat people who don't have the financial resources as as, as they do. Oftentimes, the rich receive their financial success as a result of exploitation mm-hmm. um, and how they get the money off of the backs of the working poor. Yeah, and yeah. So I think. Those are the reasons why there's so much negativity against the against those who have great financial uh, uh, resources within the gospels because of how the rich obtain their money and how they and how they view and treat people who don't have who don't have money. But they may kind of gloss over those types of things. Yeah, <laughs> not it does not. <laughs> 
uh, and it's can you imagine nice and neatly within the narrative? <laughs> yeah, you can you imagine that they're preaching that lesson on that particular Sunday, and halfway through they realize that they're talking about themselves. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah, and the God it really didn't like these rich people because they would exploit the poor, and that's like oh wait, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's like man, oh, wait, yeah. sounds like yeah. sounds like I'm talking yeah. about me. You know? <laughs> yes, yes. Socrates said the unexamined life is not worth living, yep. right? And so, so we as clergy need to, it would behoove us to constantly go through a process of self-examination. And why do I do what I do? And am I operating with the utmost level of integrity? And do I have the best interest of the people? in mind. Um, we have to constantly go through that because if not, we can easily get, you know, if I want, if I see this church growing and mine is not, what are they doing that I am not? And if I want what they have, am I going to kind of do what they do to get what they've got? Um, or am I going to kind of stick to certain principles and values that I have? And if it grows or doesn't grow, I'm going to remain kind of the same. It's tough. It's tough. Yeah. I'm not condemning whichever way that um, that a person goes to kind of grow their congregation because um, I get it. It's yeah, it's yeah, yeah. You just they just have to be honest about it and authentic about it, and like try to offer services that actually improve their congregation's finances. You know? Yes, yes. Yeah. Just just people they 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 will respect you more if you tell them the truth yes. right if i tell you that hey um i want you to be in a better financial position and i believe that god wants you to be in a better financial position as well why do i want you to be in a better financial position because i want you to have the ability to choose where you want to live I want you to have the ability to choose where you want to send your children to school. Absolutely. I want you to be able to choose um, what kind of health access, health yes. insurance, right? Like, like those things make sense. The issue is not the money. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you that there, there's, there are reasons why I want you to be in a financial position. And so that you know, I'm not just talking about you, bring everybody to this class so that we can learn about, hey, I, I don't want you hoping and praying that you're going to get approved for this loan so that you can get a car, so that you can get to your job, X, Y. I want you to have the, the kind of credit score that says, when I walk into this particular place, I have the confidence confidence that I'm going to be approved, right? Yes. There's, 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 there's a difference. So um, you're going to learn about credit scores. You're going to learn about managing your debt and limiting your debt. You're going to learn about X, Y, and Z, investing, et cetera, uh, so that you and your family can have a better financial future. But if you just put it in the hell, in the realm of God is going to do everything and you don't have to do anything. I have a problem with that. Yes. Yes. No, that, that, that sounds reasonable to me. Yeah. All right. I think that we should wrap it up. We've been talking for quite a while, but it, it I, flew by so fast. It really did, man. It really <laughs> did. I appreciate the dialogue. I appreciate uh, the platform that you have. Uh, I thank you very much for extending this opportunity, you know, for me and to me. I appreciate the relationship and the connection and the friendship that uh, that we we have in your family. So I'm, I'm grateful to still be connected to you, man. Yeah, I know. Thank you so much. I feel the same way. And I appreciate you being here. Yeah, thank you. All right. Well, take care. You too. Bye-bye.